illusion becomes the central game mechanic of the game where it plays much closer to a traditional uh, turn-based RPG than any of the previous games, right? Down to the fact where you recruit party members and you switch job classes between the different party members. And so it is actually a very, it is in some ways uh, a very traditional turn-based RPG. Well, because Kyle has mentioned the uh, single most relatable character character I've ever heard of in all creation, <laughs> you're probably listening to the Big Bang Theory theory. Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Kyle. And this is a show where we watch a different show and then we talk about that show, but there's other stuff we like better, so we don't talk about that show as much, but that show is the Big Bang Theory. And today's episode that we will try not to talk too much about is... The Itchy Brain Simulation, which is Season 7, Episode 8. Kyle, um, I wish so badly that we had, like, real... Maybe I've talked about this on the, the show before, but that that we had, like, real monsters. Like, you know, I think we have, like, bears. Those are large, scary animals. I want, I want like, RPG monsters that, like, if... I want to make some cash on a weekend, you know, me and my, my homies can go out into the woods and knowing that we may risk injury nonetheless, just murder some wild beasts and then use that to, to pay for the potions that'll get us lit that night. And I'm sad that that's not realistic, that if anything, I'd probably be committing some sort of federal like wildlife resource offense or something if i were to hunt the largest most dangerous animal in the woods so like i guess i don't know woke society has ruined everything yes i do like the can you imagine if there were still like bounties like on it's like if you can it's like that bear has killed 17 men and if you're the one who can track it down and bring us back its head as a trophy you know two things will give you a whole bunch of money and also will upgrade your hunter rank yeah, ooh, that'd be dope. Like I would if I had a lawyer rank. I like I like that the only thing that is stopping Nick Hyde from becoming the world's greatest big game hunter is they don't give you shiny badges for doing it. Well, yeah, cuz otherwise it's a grim enterprise, right? You're just <laughs> you're just out there like I just want to murder a harmless creature for no particular reason, you know, other than the satisfaction of knowing I've taken a life. But like I don't know if they're like well, you know, it's going to say if they're, like, threatening a local village, but then, you know, my my super lefty brain immediately was like, well, it's probably their own fault for encroaching into the wildlife, so I don't know if I could support that reason either. So, I don't know what to do about these bears, but, I w- yeah, I don't know. It'd be cool, you know, if there was a guild of monster hunters, that'd be fun. Um, I would start one of those just for fun myself, except I know the exact kind of people who would join it, and I don't need to hang with them, so... That is a trope that doesn't get explored as much that used to be very hard-baked into, like, RPGs was the monster attacks are always due to humanity's hubris. Like, isn't it—I don't actually know about Final Fantasies, like, 1 through 5, but in both 6 and 7, right? Like, the reason there are monsters everywhere is because of, like, essentially, like, magical pollution, right? Well, so in 6, I think there's not that much of an issue. It's— I think monsters are just, yeah, wildlife and that, that, you know, if you're living on the frontier, you're going to fight them. But in seven, yeah, I think so that, 
like animals are mutating or something because of all the the mako being drawn out of the earth something yeah something. and i think that's a i think it's true in nine as well i think there's a line that's like man there's still oh, a the lot mist more. for sure yeah there's it's like our our engines are great and they've brought us all of this modernity and advancement and economic comfort but boy that mist sure turns like little wolves into giant dire wolf things that are really kind of scary to get caught by well and no matter how many times i i experience it i can't get over the it's a funny thing you know it would it would be an interesting idea if they really did anything with it but in final fantasy 8 all the monsters occasionally drop from the moon like the moon just blows a fat load of monsters onto the earth in an occasional like miraculous lunar event and that's why monsters roam the earth at all wait that can't be true that's absolutely true that is hard final fantasy 8 lore that That monsters populate the earth because occasionally they drop from the moon as part of the lunar cry now is that even the uh even like the the summoned creatures the aeons or whatever you call are they from is bahamut and ifrit from the moon no i don't think um I, I abandoned near the end of the game my, my most recent run. Maybe I'll finish it someday. Probably not. But I don't know if they ever really explained the, the, the uh, origin of GFs, you know? I think that's something that is very much kind of taken for granted in that world. But, yeah, Maybe I don't so. know. Weird also, game. I'm just saying, in a game that revolves around, like, memory manipulation, uh, if it turned out that was all just a psyop and they were all created in a lab somewhere, would we really? that would be, like... Not the least expected twist in the world. Yeah, no. Instead, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm I'm not saying that. Like you're. I'm just saying. Like, why didn't they just do that? Because that makes more sense than the moon. No, there are so many more things. It's like, and the ideas are wacky enough that I wish that they had done more with them. But you know, for instance, the lunar cry seems to be this like once in a millennia event or something that i don't know it's i you know i i don't even like talking that much about final fantasy we should talk about the stupid show so. all right that's fine i won't make you you can break down the lore in a youtube video separately. you're you're making me relive my trauma <laughs> um but yeah so today we watched uh, again season seven episode eight the itchy brain simulation which as has become recent tradition um to read from the fan wiki summary Uh, Leonard tries to keep Sheldon from overreacting when a past mistake comes to light, but Sheldon punishes Leonard by making him walk a mile in his shoes by wearing an itchy sweater. Penny meets and confronts Raj's ex-girlfriend, Lucy. Yeah, that's most of it. It's fine. uh, I think 80% of the laughs in this episode come directly from the itchy sweater, and... I don't think Leonard, whatever, Johnny Galecki is not great with physical comedy. But, yeah, it's a lot of him just scratching and everyone around him being like, oh, yeah, you're really getting your just desserts there, aren't you? For, um, yeah, a really kind of, I don't know. It's Sheldon here is the ultimate prankster, yet again. His, his motives seem very malicious, and he gets away with it. And it's not clear to what end other than to, to make leonard suffer for a few days which i don't know i guess i support that uh how do you feel about this one kyle that's interesting because while i you're right i didn't find this episode that funny i thought it uh was one of the i actually found it one of sheldon's betters at better attempts at communicating uh, um 
In fact, I'll just say this. This episode, uh, I think, was supposed to make Sheldon less sympathetic. Uh, but it actually made him more sympathetic to me than he normally appears. Because when he says, uh, basically the reason, yes, that Leonard has to wear a sweater is because um, they find out, they find in a box an overdue DVD that's been like, was supposed to be turned in seven years ago. And Leonard goes, oh, fuck me. Because he knows that Sheldon being Sheldon, like, once this has been revealed, there will be no peace in the household. Like, you can imagine the bit that they would normally do, which is Sheldon slowly escalating the amount of outrage and craziness as he attempts to return this DVD. And uh, Leonard even goes, so just this once, can you not do that if I say I'm really sorry? And Sheldon's like, yeah, sure, cool, it's fine, man, no worries. How about this, though? You give me a hard time for it because I think you don't really understand how it feels. So wear this itchy sweater and then you will understand the itchy, the feeling of the itchy irritation on your skin is what my brain feels like when things do not make sense to me in the world or I have this anxiety. And so I took it, I took that to be real. Like I didn't think he was exaggerating. I assume he really means that like when whatever, you know, triggers when some shit triggers the neurodivergence in his head it is acutely painful and that is why he does all the wild shit that he does uh i mean maybe not a full excuse but at least an explanation of a lot of his crazy behavior and so uh and so yeah i thought that was actually like a fair educational experience that he puts it it was a useful physical metaphor that like yeah because yeah the entire thing like you mentioned is Sheldon says, you know, what it's like for me to have some sort of unresolved issue like this late DVD um, is probably what it's going to be like for you to not ever be able to stop feeling the itchy sensation from this sweater, which, by the way, was, um, oh, right, it was, I don't know, I guess kind of a throwaway joke. I was trying to remember exactly where the sweater came from, and it's, an aunt had made it for him. It's red and kind of puffy and incredibly itchy with some simple block letters on it that just say Lenny. And he also mentions that his, I don't know, brother or cousin or something got a car. And so he's he's already bitter because apparently, like, does anyone in Leonard's family like him? Like, in anything, it kind of reassures me and how much I dislike him that the people that raised him are just like, mm, yes, he's just a disposable experiment. Mm. Just, you know, the, the fruit of some frolics that I've had with his father, but we just decided to put him to use while he's here on this earth. Mm. Yeah, I mean it is it is fucked up. I agree with that. It is a little sad for poor poor Leonard or as his sweater says, Lenny. Yeah, I don't know. It's not a bad sweater. I mean, aside then it's like tearing his flesh apart, but but I guess it's not that di- – like, like, have you ever seen those videos where they hook the dude up to, like, the diodes thing that stimulate, like, menstrual cramps? And No. Like, yeah, they've got these machines that, like, basically they will, like, shock your muscles in such a way that they make them contract violently and this simulates sort of, like, the abdominal contractions that women usually undergo when they're, you know, PMSing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, of course, because uh, they have uh, – no experience with it and they don't know uh they don't know what to expect um 
the men usually break down like little bitches, right? I mean, it's a little annoying. I wish at least one time they had at least one guy on there who was like, mm, I still don't see what the big deal is. I think you're all weak because, you mm-hmm. know, just for variety's sake. But, yeah, they're usually they're like, you know, oh, my God, I didn't know it was this bad. I'm so sorry. That's like, good. Now, now two people who normally could not relate to each other can relate to each other with a little more empathy. And so in that sense, I thought the sweater was a good device slash metaphor for neurodivergence. Yeah. Um, I was nonetheless frustrated that the resolution kind of puttered out, I thought, because the whole idea was that, well, I don't know, maybe maybe this is just how well the metaphor holds up. I don't know that the, the goal that Leonard has here is to actually return the video and deal with whatever late fees may be there. Oh, but wouldn't you know it, the actual video store has been out of business for years. And so they um, kind of agree on the spot. Well, that means that you've got to find the guy that used to own it and make things right with him. Um, and then he, it turns out that he had recently passed away uh, and that no one had showed up to his funeral. Just kind of like this weird, grim background joke that's happening. And so then the next line is, uh, all right, well, I guess we're going to have to start looking for long lost relatives. And that's where Leonard is like, no, I give up. Okay, I get it. I get my lesson. And, um, you know, I don't know. I wish, I wish there was something that he could have gotten a win here. But at the same time, that is when, yeah, uh, why am I blinking? Sheldon reveals his, his master plan was, you know, I returned that video almost seven years ago. I knew that you uh, didn't bring it back and I couldn't just leave that alone. But I, uh, I put the box in there just in case you ever found it and, uh, needed a teachable moment from this. And, you know, the likelihood of some sort of uh, gambit like that paying off seems futile, like just nothing. But I guess that's why we have the magic of of uh, fantasy and you know and si- situational comedies. And I'm glad that it actually did pay off. You know, so so episode, but oh, and also some shit happens with like Raj and Lucy, and it's fine. I guess that's another part of this. Do you want to talk about that at all, or shall I delve into that a bit deeper? I mean, I guess we only need to talk about it to the extent that. I guess it is weird. Why is Raj? Why does the show pick on Raj? By which I mean, I guess, like, why when Raj is not. Like, the show treats Raj like his character flaws are somehow worse than any of the other character flaws, any of the other characters' flaws, and therefore he does not deserve to have a girlfriend. When that is just, like, I'm pretty sure demonstrably not true. But why are. Why are we being asked to believe that, like, Raj is the only one of these four men who is too immature to, like, be able to go the distance with a woman? I feel like they just really want him to be in this, like, permanent fuckboy status. Even though, yeah, exactly like you said, that um, he is no worse off and in many ways seems like a much better person and potential romantic partner than the other people he's rolling with, but... No, he just gets kicked while he's down over and over. And so here it's Penny um, while working at the Cheesecake Factory and while Amy and Bernadette are there uh, with the unfortunate understanding that they're never actually going to get their drinks or food because Penny's a really shitty waitress. That's a that's a joke we bring back a little bit. Uh, finds that, yeah, the, the brief thing that Raj had with Lucy. Lucy is there alone. Penny gets confrontational. This results in a meeting of coffee between Raj and Lucy, where Raj has a roller coaster of emotions with um, finding out that Penny 
interfered, but then also gets this result. And so then he meets with her. It's fine until she reveals that she's actually seeing somebody. Raj is heartbroken. Oh, but guess what? Penny has another just completely random friend out of nowhere that uh, she can set him up with. Oh, and he fucks that date up and he's sad again. And the stinger I mean, immediately oh, fucks it up. Like he fucks it up so quickly. That's that's exactly what I'm talking about. Like, uh... yeah, well, and it's like, so Raj, I think, unreasonably feels betrayed when he learns that Lucy has a boyfriend because there's, I don't know, it, you know, 50 50 guess as to whether she did or didn't. And he guessed wrong. What are you going to do? Uh, but. Yeah, he goes on the date with this other woman who seems perfectly nice. Things are going fine for approximately five seconds before uh, she says something about not having a boyfriend. And he has this, like, insecurity flare-up where he's like, Haha, you just make it sound like you're joking, but that's not true, right? You do. You're lying to me. You're like all the others. And that's about the end of it. Uh, and then, yeah, the stinger is, like, a three-quick cutaways of of the characters yelling at each other what's wrong with you what's wrong with you until raj uh the final shot is him looking himself in the mirror yelling what's wrong with you and if i were editor or director of this i would have had it slowly zoom in as that happened 30 more times (laughs) until like the zoom just went into the darkness of the center of his eye and the mirror's reflection (laughs) big bang theory uh, is directed by david lynch yeah, and that'd be the end of the series. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I agree I, with that. That would be great. Um, I guess the only other thing I did actually, you know, this is the I imagine that this is the sort of thing that would make you very uncomfortable if you found out that someone had done this on your behalf. But I love the idea, maybe too much, of like one of my friends being so ride or die that if they saw my ex in a restaurant, they were like, you know what? I'm just I'm just going to call you out right here. Well, I'm just going to track you. It's like, I know you have social anxiety, and this is going to be a painful experience for you. And also, realistically, Penny probably should have gotten fired for that, for just, like, blatantly harassing a, a customer so openly. But, you know, this is a magical cheesecake factory, so whatever. Um but yeah, you know, like, I was going to I was going to say, like, maybe she gets away with it because she's attractive. But then it's like, this is a cheesecake factory in L.A. There are, there are a lot of pretty waitresses out there. What's special about Penny? We do not know. But I do. I just um, I like the idea of, of Penny being like, you know what? Going to ruin this girl's whole day. Mm-hmm. Don't like how she treated my boy. Well, like I ha- I too have some, you know blessing and curse ride or die friends that are like hey i saw someone public that you have incredibly complicated feelings about and i just wanted to let you know i antagonized the shit out of them and it's like oh thanks yeah i know you would not like it most people would that's i recognize that i'm the outlier here i think most people reasonably uh do not want you know, other friends uh, getting into conflict on their behalf. Maybe it's just because I'm a good old Georgia boy at heart. And well, I'm not sure about that. I'm I'm just saying that, like, uh, I think I think there are plenty of people who'd be happy to hear about that. I myself just like just want to disconnect from the bad vibes altogether. And so, like, any sort of aggression, I'm just kind of like, no, 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 no. Just leave me in my cute little happy space. No, 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 no. So yes, that's probably fair. Well, I mean, anything else we want to get into this episode? I mean, what we could start doing 
like if we really just need to pad this is so we do our short summary that's half a paragraph and then we have the extended plot which i think probably has um a higher word count than the episode script so we don't need oh there's costume notes Oh, he wears a Sheldon wears a Hawkman logo T-shirt. Isn't that, that there is not? Please tell me that there is not someone so. Why don't they have a and his and his blue Vitrivian super t- Superman T-shirt from Fat T. No, please tell me who is doing this and During if you her care this with much Leonard, about it. Where is your podcast? Penny wears a dark here? floral Veronica cap sleeve dress by Parker, available at farfetch.com. Parentheses, originally at Bloomingdale's. Oh man, this is giving me this is giving me bad vibes, man. I don't. Penny like it. wears a blue boat neck, long sleeved snake print tee by Michael Stars. Parentheses sold at Bloomingdale's. And last but not least, it's no wonder Penny has been perpetually broke. Her beaded moccasins by Joey Aliso sell for about two hundred and twenty-five dollars at Shopbop. That has been your. Three out of four costume note penny uh, wardrobe updates. Uh, great segment. Huge oh success. Yes, I, this is the best segment. But can I just, again, two things. First off, no wonder so many people don't understand. Because if there are people who are that, who love the Big Bang Theory that much that they're willing to maintain a wiki, no wonder they don't get us. Um, and also, Random internet person, would you please email Nick so that you can come on our show and explain what is going on in your head that you feel the need to Google the clothes of everybody? I'm not, I'm not judging you. I'm not. This is not me calling you out for this behavior. It's totally fine that you feel you're providing the service. I just want to pick your brain about your insights because you have obviously been watching the show so much more closely than either of us. I think you're playing with fire there. You know, no judgment here either, but I feel confident that there, like, lies the way of madness. That if you <laughs> you you poke at that brain, it's going to poke back, and it's going to, like, start, like, burrowing into the base of your spine, and then you, too, will be wondering about sitcom costume choices and how to... If you wanted to, like, replicate one of Penny's fits, how did you get started? That's that's where that leads. So be I careful. Mean, I've been there, but we all remember the the Sheldon's. Why? Where did Sheldon's shirt come from, and why does it have those particular characters on it? Rabbit hole that I fell that's down. That's true. That time. That yeah, I guess you know this isn't grappling with that. We sound so concerned that this isn't even new territory for us. Oh God! Oh the hypocrisy. Well, anything else about this episode that you want to talk about? Nope. Want to talk about things that we prefer doing? Absolutely. You go ahead. You want to go first or shall I? Oh, do you say go ahead? Yes. Okay, so I shall. Um, so, honestly, my media consumption has really just been, uh, again, video games lately. I don't have any cool new movies, books, etc. Um, and I've been playing a lot of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom, and a lot of Diablo 4. And the recommendation is going to be for Diablo 4. Because Zelda, uh, great as it is, uh, Diablo doesn't make me think. I can put a podcast on. I can just run around uh, slaying whatever, kind of just mindlessly watching numbers tick up. And it just sends a kind of a warm sensation all along my spine. You know, I, I forget where I am. I forget who I am. I just know that there are 
you know, about eight different little slots attached to my little avatar, and each of those slots represents all these different numbers, and they just got to keep going up. They got to go up. You know, some people, they go out and they chase that cash. Some people, they, they grind for their big corporate overlords, and they want to prove that their productivity merits the, the paycheck they're getting and the, the soul that is being ground down to powder so they can help their, their bosses literally take over the world. But me, no, 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 no. I just want boots that go from plus five to plus six, and I want that process to happen for roughly 1,000 hours. And uh, so that's, that's what I recommend. And I'd, I'd say more about it, except, um, boy, you know what? Activision and Blizzard, they know what internet gamers want, which is uh, the same old thing over and over again. Wow, safe game. Very iterative. If anything, seems to take half a step back from Diablo 3 towards Diablo 2. But it's nonetheless, yeah, just like a good lizard brain time. So that said, Zelda, also pretty radical, just... Um, you know, requires attention and thought because it's a genuinely good game. And uh, not to talk too much shit about Diablo 4, I am enjoying it, but yeah, it's just a, a monster trash fest. But that's that's what I'm feeling right now. So there, that's my recommendation. Kyle, your turn. I'm going to recommend... Uh, well, first off, yeah, the the new... Uh, the new uh, Yaku- it's not even new anymore, but the Yakuza Like a Dragon game... Uh, it's pretty fun if you like if you've ever played any of the others um then you probably already and like them if you probably were already starting for this one uh one fun thing that i that takes just so much time getting used to but that is wild about uh the yakuza series that i'm learning to enjoy is just the complete complete disregard for like tonal consistency mm, mm, mm. in the narrative because it will literally it will just go seamlessly from like it's like here is a silly man who uh loves his cat to oh no this man who loves the cat uh has been framed for murder and now he's going to do 20 hard years in prison uh, where he gets beaten daily by the guards and the other prisoners to, oh, now he's out again. It's time for, uh, time for more silly. It's just like, you know, again, these games, uh, particularly this late, they like d- explore deep socioeconomic themes about the nature of modern Japan from like, uh, prostitution to like, elder abuse and just like the drug trade and immigration and everything else and it's just like it's it's a weirdly like episode of the week so i just find that just fascinating it's just like i've never encountered a game series that just did not that gave less of a fuck about just going everywhere while at the same time being the kind of game where you play as like a a, char- a homeless guy. Oh, and homelessness, of course. One of the characters is a homeless guy who has the magical power that he can throw. His, you know how in, he has a magical attack. His magical attack is he throws bird seed on people and then pigeons peck at them. That uh, rules. <laughs> I'm yeah, trying to think of like what genus or whatever like a pigeon is, so I can figure out the proper the proper prefix um, for his his uh, his magic his his pigeon magic. You mean his his birdomancy, aviomancy? Yes, that's exactly it. The, I, they are the Columbas, I guess. So Columbamancy, Columbancy. Yes. Uh, yeah. So just 
weird and fascinating. And all, and again, I think I was going on a random tangent last week about or last session about how Final Fantasy has kind of lost its way. And the mm. other thing that's weird is this weirdly feels like even though it's a completely different uh, tonal and uh, aesthetic experience, the gameplay itself really just feels like what Final Fa- the another an alternate direction Final Fantasy could have comfortably gone in if they wanted to because you still have the turn-based combat, you have three-dimensional characters comfortably moving in space. Some of the like insofar as uh as there are tactics in the game and the combat is to be honest my least because it's just a little bit uh so far anyway, it's been way too easy for to like have as many different job classes and options as you have and so much leveling that you can do. The combat just doesn't actually appear to be complicated enough to merit it. But hmm. there is like a tactical element in that like the way your characters are arranged in their party and the way like the the rival faction that you're fighting, it's like you can't just attack anyone like you can re- if you try to like go through someone in the front rank or if someone's attack interposes another enemy between you and the guy you want to attack if you try to attack that guy you know the dude in between you will just reach out and thwack you on the head and it doesn't hurt a lot but you just lost your initiative you just lost your turn because you were nice. just overly ambitious about who who was in range for you And similarly, if you have an attack that knocks someone to the ground, your next character can, as a follow-up, can just come and, like, step on that person's balls or face (laughs) while they're on the ground for, like, triple damage. And sometimes it's a sometimes it's automatic uh, if the dice rolls are correct, and sometimes it's not, which is also, you know, just, like, great basics, just great basic updates to, like, the basic, like, turn-based strategy that I don't know why, like, again... Whoever makes uh, Yakuza should just work with Square Enix and make like a proper Final Fantasy game because this it's wild uh, how easy it is to do this stuff in sort of a mod in a modern game engine and feel pretty good. Well, I feel and like the- between this and Xenoblade, that there's now you know based on what you're describing, at least two other companies making better Final Fantasy games than, than Square has in years. So that's yeah, sad, it is- but also refreshing. Yeah. It is it is weird and interesting, isn't it? Um, but actually, that was not so. My main recommendation was I got a book. I found a book in a bookstore. I was actually in a used bookstore. Can you imagine? Uh, and I got way too many books because when I go in a used bookstore, it's uh, my vision clouds, and I I wake covered in blood and clutching, you know, a pile of books that is just way too way too large for any one man. Um, but, uh, it, it conjures quite the image of me of this overhead shot of you lying, mostly nude, half covered in blood. Yes, like exactly you said, but just zooming in, zooming in as you wake up trying to figure out where, like, which which of these books you may have eaten in your rage as well. Yeah, but hopefully going not. To, my God, my God, what have I done? Uh, not again. Please, God, yeah. not again. Uh, anyway, though, I found a, one of the books that was there just lying on the ground. It's called... St- uh, press start to play and it is a lovely little short story anthology by a bunch of different writers where basically the only thing they have in common is they're all video game themed so they're just it's just a series of video games themed short stories by modern american well not even american just by modern writers some of them are uh are funny and some of them are deep um you know 
And they come at it from all different angles. Like, the people you would expect to be in there are in there, like that uh, fucker who wrote uh, Ready Player One. But also there are a bunch of people that, you Ernest know... Ernest Klein, maybe? Yeah. Well, actually, I don't know if his story is in there now that I think about it. I just know that he wrote the introduction. Um, but I haven't come across an actual story by him. But also there are great stories by, like, other people that I really like. Uh, Hugh Howey, who wrote... Um, Dust, uh, the I think it was called Dust. Anyway, the one with the bunker series. Andy Ware, who wrote The Martian. Austin Grossman, who wrote both the uh, um, the plot to Deus Ex and Soon I Will Be Invincible, which is one of my favorite uh, novels. And there have been oh, and so far my favorite uh, my favorite short story in the collection it was actually written by Gabe Newell. So who it turns oh. out? No, that's not right. Gabe Newell is not the guy who actually wrote the story, is he? Oh, um, I don't know. Maybe he's just that's... the one. I was thinking of. Wait, what's the guy's name from uh, Valve? And I said Gabe Newell, but that's not. I don't think that. But anyway, I think Gabe the, Newell is the 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 big head Valve guy. He is, but I don't think. Anyway, whoever wrote the plot for Half Life and Half Life Two has a story in Press Start to Play that is quite good and funny. Um, and there are some dark ones too. But yeah, if you like short story, if you just like reading fiction and you want some short fiction that doesn't take very long to read, and you're nostalgic about the video games and what they can represent in different ways, it's a good little book. And, you know, the best thing about it is if any particular story in it you don't vibe with, you just skip to the next one, baby. Sort of the the merit of anthology collection. So, again, the name of this book is called Press Start to Play. Well, and I couldn't let it go. Is the name Mark Laidlaw familiar? Does that sound right? Yes. Okay, that might be your Valve guy. Oh, yeah, I'm looking it up here. It's Mark Laidlaw. That's correct. Nice. So he wrote a story. Yeah, I had not heard of him before, so he's totally new to me. He wrote a story, I won't spoil it, but it's called Roguelike. Oh, nice. It is both funny and written uh, sort of as an homage to old-style text-based roguelike video games. Nice. (sighs) Speaking of, I, I keep making a hardcore character in diablo 4 and dying after about an hour and then starting it again and dying after about an hour and i kind of feel like i'm going insane but i just i have to have that that old hardcore mentality at the same time and i've got other characters you know that they can survive death and all that but uh, i just want i just need something precious i need to know that i have something that's really going to ruin my day if i don't take care of it maybe ruin my day multiple times over the course of a few hours but that's that's what i'm trying to do that's that's what brings me peace Ugh. what class i mean have do you have you been sticking to one particular class or have you been trying all of them for for my hardcore i've I've only been trying to get a druid going so that's been it um and then for my my regular guys i've got a necromancer and a rogue but i just as soon as I found out that druids can just turn into werewolves, I was like, nothing else matters. I just want to be a werewolf now. That's all. This game is just a werewolf simulator. Werewolf simulator? Has someone made a game called Werewolf Simulator? And if not, can we just take yeah, that? I don't, know. I don't know if there is any game I've played where, like, you have, that's, like, yeah, pretty, like, built-in werewolf mechanics. Yeah, when, I mean, that's just, like, that's again, that is not a... Uh... That is not a um, 
you know, a heavy plot or vampire, but just like a sandbox game that's about you as like as a werewolf, you know, sort of like managing your transformations and trying to like optimize for being a werewolf. That sounds great. Actually, that sounds uh, werewolf simulator sounds great. Vampire simulator also sounds great, which seems like something that should exist. But I don't actually remember a game that focuses mainly on the minutia of just trying to successfully like be a werewolf and avoid detection. Well- we're game designers now. We make we make big games about yeah monster different simulators, and uh, no, uh, that... we focus on realism more than anything. We agree these games aren't necessarily fun. They're gonna make you think. No, it's just like yeah, it's like a werewolf simulator where your goal is to like figure out well where like where on this map can I turn into a werewolf that and like you know lose my shit and accomplish my where you know what you would do is you would have two sets of objective you would have like your normal objectives as like a human which is like eat avoid detection find uh, love find yeah exactly all of the boring shit and then once a month uh on or you know however we wanted to do the cycle during the during the full moon nights of the month um, you would have to uh, you would have a completely different set of objectives that were in complete like discordance with your normal objectives so you would just be figuring out how to accomplish like how to get when you're in human mode you're like well I know I'm going to want this stuff when I'm a werewolf so how do I mm-hmm. just figure out how to get that all of that jonesing in yeah. without screwing myself over when I turn back into a human my bulk heavy chain supplier raised its prices do I keep letting him screw me at this price or do I fight use my precious human hours to find a different supplier yeah well that's it I'm gonna excise the first that we get we're 41 minutes in I'm gonna excise the first 35 and this is now a podcast just about werewolf simulator and its development cycle yes and you know uh, you know, hi- obviously you'd need hiding a body mechanics would be a big part. Not not even like ideal. Hopefully you're mostly just hiding like dead deer carcasses. Right. But every now and then maybe you have to hide a hide a human body and you have to figure out how to do that without raising yeah. too much suspicion. Like you, there would be this role playing element where you're not really specifically given quests, but you dis- personally decide like, well, if I have to have a fresh supply of bodies, do I want to be a hunter do I want to be some sort of weird vigilante or a serial killer? <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, this, I, I don't, I'm not joking, Nick. This game sounds fun. All right. I guess we got to build a video game now. We got two podcasts. Yeah, Thanks for nothing. Start practicing your Unreal Engine 7 or whatever we're on now. 7 sounds good. Yeah. And if it's any higher than that, I'm not going higher because the Final Fantasy's sort of dipping out after 7, so... That's yeah, the highest any series can go, I guess. Notwithstanding is, Dragon Quest and many others. Yeah, It's still an early access, but one of my favorite game critics was reviewing a game the other day that he just fucking loves, which is basically like you're a street detective, where again, it's all sandbox and procedurally generated, but you just, you're just like some crazy not police officer whose job is like... Uh, because you're driven by some weird obsession that like anytime you hear on the radio that there's been a murder, you break into the crime scene after the police have left, gather as much evidence as possible, and then use it to crack to figure out who in the city could have possibly 
done it. And that's the entire gameplay loop is just like going nice. from random murder to random murder in like this pretty. Sh- and again, it, I've looked up the graphics. The graphics are incredibly shitty, like probably deliberately. <laughs> so it's less it's less about like it's like, you know, straight up like early 2000s 3D graphics. But, you know, a lot of thought and detail put into like how you can track fingerprints and DNA evidence you know, as a private citizen. Nice. Uh, and what is that one called again? Uh, I don't... Let me see if I can... Look Detective Simulator, we'll call it for now. Yeah, I mean, I think that it was called... Uh, oh, it was. I think it was called Shadows of Doubt, if you actually want to look it up. All it's right, still so in early access. We'll be ripping off Shadows of Doubt to help make Werewolf Simulator. You heard it here first. Yeah! Yeah! 